It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and we're broadcasting live at Vanderbilt University in front of a live studio audience. Wow, yes. What a fantastic crowd. You're beautiful. And we have with us, uh, what is your name? Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am doing great. What is your major here at Vanderbilt? Communications. Communications. And what do you hope to do with this uh, degree? Make a lot of money. Make a lot of money. Well, I'll tell you right now, you need to change your major. All right. Fair enough. (laughs) Pre-med, pre-law. No, communications, you never know where it can take you. You want to be on radio or TV, broadcast journalism? Yes, definitely. Okay, so I I feel very fortunate to have you on the Adam Ritz Show right now. Will you uh, play the part of news director on the show? Yes, I will. Okay, I've got a news story here for you to read, and... uh, this just happened recently, just a couple days ago, and uh, this is, uh, you can use, feel free to use this on your resume as, as a real live radio broadcast, okay? Awesome. So now we go to the news desk with Jordan with the news. Wait, start right now. Yeah. <laughs> here, we're here with, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Adam. I'm sorry. <laughs> there you go. That's all right. Hi, I'm Jordan Coleman. I'm here with Adam Ritz, and um, we're reporting that a Marshall University swim coach immediately resigned after being arrested on campus with a marijuana pipe and a bag of marijuana. That is fantastic. Let's hear a round of applause for Jordan, huh? I was like, that's so good. Yeah, no, you're right. You're like, what? A round of applause? The guy got arrested with marijuana. So what do you think about this? Marijuana pipe, he's got a bag of dope. He's the coach of the swim team at Marshall. Yeah, that's really bad. That's not really setting a great example for his uh, team. That's not a good thing. He resigned immediately because he knew he, he knew he was going to get fired. Let's imagine uh, decades from now, you're the athletic director at a Division One college. You're thinking about hiring this guy. Would you? Definitely not. Definitely not. Okay, that's Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. Round of applause. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com. On the campus of Ball State University with athletic, uh, associate athletic director, and I guess mo- more specifically, senior women's administrator is senior in your time. Senior woman administrator. Mm-hmm. Karen Lee is our guest. Hi, Karen. Hi, Adam. How are you? It just, I'm fine. Thank you. It just for our listeners, what's the difference or, or the add-on to that title of associate athletic director, senior woman administrator? What does that mean? Senior woman administrator is the highest ranking female in the athletic department. So I don't, a lot of the misconceptions that I only oversee women's sports, um, but I oversee both men's and women's sports. So the title is just, you know, basically I'm the highest ranking female in the athletic department. And there's a long history behind that, um, but that's what the second part of the title is. Well, I wanted to ask you about one of your initiatives on campus here. You were telling me earlier off mic about uh, the semi-formal dance that you had last year, and you're planning it for this fall. It's the second time you're going to do it. Tell us more about this dance that you have for your student-athletes. Well, our student-athlete advisory committee came up with the idea to do a student-athlete semi-formal. So what we decided to do was we tried it out last year. We had a pretty good participation, wasn't as many as we would like, um, but we charged the student-athletes student-athlete only. You can bring an 
non-student athlete with you. You just have to be accompanied by a student athlete. And they paid, and after the expenses of the DJ and the food, and obviously we just keep a little money back for the following year, the rest of the proceeds go to charity. And this past fall, we decided to donate it to the Indiana State Fair Fund after the incident that happened there. But in the future, we'd like to keep it right here. All the fundraising and the proceeds we like to keep um, in Muncie. Is there line dancing? Is there endless love? Is there slow dancing? <laughs> There's a little bit of everything with this the DJ. Is so cool for me to hear about, um, you know, prom for jocks, really. And, and the best yeah. part of the story is that it benefits charities. Exactly. That's And that was the most important. That's why, you know, the student athletes, they may gripe a little bit or just like any other student about paying. But again, we wanted to do something with a purpose. We just didn't want to have a fun dance and mm-hmm. end it. We wanted to make sure that when they come, that they know the money is going towards a charity. Does Does it give the student athlete more fuel to their fire for the argument of, hey, we need to get paid because we need to make a little money on the side so that we can afford to do things like this? Um, You know, we haven't had that discussion of nobody yet has come and said, you know, the only reason I didn't come is because I couldn't afford it. If that time ever comes where somebody, you know, can't afford the full 5 or $10 or whatever we decide to charge, if they could just donate something, again, it's going to charity, then we'll, you know, we will work with that student athlete. But we had a lot of student athletes even step up and give more money than we were charging because they knew it was going for charity. So that helped out a great deal. Karen, it's hot now. We're between semesters. There's uh, student athletes on summer vacation. They might be making bad choices. I'm not saying they are, but they might. How nervous do you get when the phone rings, especially after midnight? It might be one of your student athletes in trouble. You know, I really don't get nervous. A lot of our teams are still competing, um, but also I have faith that our student-athletes will make the right choices and the right decisions. Um, If not, they'll have to call their coach and work that out between themselves and their coaches. Um, But I think that they'll make the right choice and the right decisions while they're away. All right, Karen Lee from Ball State. Go Cards. Chirp, chirp. Adam Ritz is a media personality and keynote speaker, interviewing amazing people from coast to coast. Follow him on Twitter at Adam Ritz or listen to him now on The Adam Ritz Show. Welcome back to The Adam Ritz Show. Our guest is Lee Lonzo. Hi, Lee. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and I want to thank you for your time. I want to set up uh, your interview here with what you do centered around bullying and hazing. Uh, You're a a national consultant working for, strangely enough, Lee Lonzo Consulting. Yes, I am. Uh, Actually, Adam, I'm a a lifelong educator. I was a high school teacher, coach, uh, went into administration, and uh, after 30 years, I decided I wanted to try something new and maybe help more people. So I'm involved in several efforts, but one of the biggest is bullying and anti-hazing. I do see those as two different topics. Um, I, I work with a program called the Kickoff Program. I'm the national program director for that. Uh, we have offices in L.A., Chicago, and Indianapolis. We've been all over the country helping high schools with uh, the transition from middle school to high school because typically it's the freshman in high school who is the target of bullying. Uh, and, and for me, the bullying is something that's random. It's just because of who you are. It's based on this this power disparity between the seniors and juniors, and you're the lowly freshman. Uh, but I'm also, a, a, as I said, a former coach and athletic director, and that brings me into hazing. And the difference between bullying and hazing is that with the hazing, hazing is something that's kind of an initiation. You have to do this to become part of the group. So that's more when the juniors and seniors have these rituals that the freshmen have to go through to become part of their athletic team and it even spreads itself into things like band debate uh even church groups have have problems with anti-hazing now when you think about hazing uh sometimes it can be 
disguised uh, in the reign of having fun. I know a lot of kids, I think back to when I was in high school, and you can get involved with something that's fun. Hey, I had to do it, so let's do it to the freshmen. Sure. And that can go horribly wrong. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, and, and one of the things I do in my workshops when I'm working with athletes and student congress members and band members, we, we identify why virtually every group on the planet has certain rituals, has certain initiations. You think about even a church. You know, when, when you join a church, you go through learning about it, and you go through these rituals, and you become a member of the church, and that's all good stuff. Uh, the problem is when it goes underground and suddenly it's involving things that are dangerous, things that are illegal, and instead of bonding the group together, it divides the group. So none of that is good. Well, a couple of the stories that I've seen come across the newswire here in the last uh, few weeks. Uh, again, we're speaking with Lee Lonzo. He's a, uh, a consultant and uh, works as the national program director for the kickoff program. A uh, couple of stories that come to mind off the top of my head. The young man in Kansas City that was set on fire. Uh, I think he was in ninth grade. Right. And a couple other kids, uh, 16 or 17-year-olds, doused him with gasoline right. and set him on fire. Of course, that's the extreme. I'm sure we don't see that um, as the majority of the cases that come across your desk. But uh, those, that's, that's what hits the national media. Another story was uh, out of Rutgers University with the uh, young man that set up his webcam and... Uh, he was just found guilty, by the way, of invasion right. of privacy. We, he uh, webcammed his roommate having relations with a man. That roommate ended up killing himself. So, you know, I, I would have to imagine a lot of these stories, they end up, uh, it's a snowball effect. It's a, it's a one decision leads to five other decisions, which lead to the tragedy. A a absolutely. And uh, you talked about two that have gotten a lot of national publicity. But unfortunately, Adam, uh, hardly a week goes by when there's not something that at least grabs a, a major market because some kid ha has hurt themselves or even committed suicide as a result of the bullying. And the bullying, the, the two cases you're talking about, uh, at least allegedly are based on, on hate crimes. Uh, one was racially motivated, the other one was based on sexual orientation. And they're really picking these kids out and they're doing horrible things to them. And we'd, we just have to do a lot to, to uh, change the culture that the kids are dealing with. The, uh, get them to real through education, uh, what, what they're really doing to somebody else and what they're doing to themselves because they haven't really thought through the consequences. What are some of the, I guess, statistics that uh, off the top of your head that, I, that I'd be surprised about hearing? Well, um, uh, he, here's one with athletics because I know you're a former athlete and you deal with a lot of athletes. Uh, the, the largest study ever on high school hazing was done by Alfred University. And what they did was they surveyed across the country uh, college kids, so they're looking back on their high school years. And the first thing they found out is of all those kids they surveyed, 91% of them had participated in some sort of high school activities. You know, that's okay. not just athletics. But that's, that includes all the clubs and all the great things that I'm sure you look back on in high school, and I know I do. This is what really made high school fun. Okay, so 91% of the kids who are in college participated in, in high school activities. Of those kids, 98% said they had a great time. They had positive experiences associated with that. But then when you also ask them if they had any negatives, 
almost half of them said they were hazed as as a condition to join one of those high school groups. Wow. And now, now, I talk to athletic directors all the time, and, and they'd love to have you think, oh, we don't have a problem like that at our school, but if half the kids across the country are being hazed, then there's a pretty good chance it's happening in every high school. <laughs> uh, and then let's go one step further, because some people say, oh, well, you're just talking about carrying the bags or or something, some, some, uh, some little thing that's assigned to the freshmen that they don't like. And that's really not what we're talking about. Uh, almost 30% of these kids were asked to do something illegal. Uh, almost 25% of them were asked to do something that involved a, a, a dangerous act. And more than 20% of them were uh, hazing activities involving some sort of substance abuse, either alcohol or drugs. And all of that is at the high school level. I'm not talking about Animal House now, and, and we're uh -huh. talking about college kids, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds. No, I'm talking about 14-year-olds who are freshmen in high school. That's amazing. Uh, our guest is Lee Lonzo, National Program Director for the Kickoff Program, a uh, high school mentoring company, and he's also a, a consultant with Lee Lonzo Consulting, uh, really an expert in, in bullying and hazing. Uh, let's end this interview on a positive note. Uh, what are some of the success stories uh, you've seen come through your office? Well, Adam, uh, the the kickoff program, let me talk about that. I'm just back from a week in uh, St. Mary Parish of Louisiana. I'm working with three high schools and two middle schools down there. In those five secondary schools, what they've done is they've taken juniors and seniors and turned them into mentors for the freshmen. And at the middle school, they take eighth graders and they turn them into mentors uh, and, and protectors, if you will, for the sixth graders. Uh, what we see in those schools is, is a dramatic turnaround when you get the high school kids to change the culture, to buy in, to let's do something positive. Uh, in one of my high schools down there, Morgan City High School, I've been there six times this year. Great people, great staffs, and they're really, you, you, you can just see the effervescence in these kids' faces when they talk about my freshman. And, and nobody messes with my freshman. And I'm going to make sure that my freshman gets good grades and passes all their classes and graduates from high school and it's just so inspiring to see these kids want to give back to other people and I will tell you Adam I've been in every type of high school there is in this country more than 300 of them across the country Maine to California and every high school I've been to has great kids uh, you know, you, you talk about this is a bad school. I don't care if it's a bad school. I can tell you that bad school has some great kids. And if you can turn them into the leaders, the mentors, the role models, great things happen. This is Dave from the Dave Matthews Band for Rad. When you go out and party, get drunk, then drive, you're not only loaded, you're a loaded weapon. When you celebrate, designate. Choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. And now, a truly inspirational story on The Adam Ritz Show. I'm Adam Ritz, and uh, welcome back to The Adam Ritz Show. We are now joined by a young man. Uh, very inspirational story and funny to boot. Chris Connolly is joining us. Hi, Chris. Hi, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. I uh, know a little bit about your story, and which is good because not only will our listeners learn uh, about you and what you do, but, but so will I. Uh, Chris Connolly is a, uh, a Theta Xi fraternity member from the University of Southern California uh, at USC. You are a comedian. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? 
Sure, I was born with cerebral palsy, which is a condition that affects fine motor, but not gross motor, so it affects me when I'm doing small tasks, but not larger tasks. Uh, thankfully, it doesn't affect my mind, so it's a purely physical condition. Fantastic. And what I've been doing in recent years is stand-up comedy, where I'll get up and talk and tell jokes about living with a disability. How old were you, uh, were you when you started doing stand-up comedy? Well, I actually started doing magic at the age of 10. Ah. And from there, around two years ago, say I was 17, I picked up comedy, and it was just a very natural transition from doing magic at family shows, birthday parties, and the like. And then now I do comedy at comedy clubs around L.A., open mic nights, things like that, and I really have fun with it, and uh, it's great because I was so used to being family-friendly with the magic, and now I can get into a little more launchy <laughs> material. <laughs> so what's the feedback like uh, on stage at a comedy club in Los Angeles uh, when you do your stick and you get off stage? What's some of the feedback you're hearing? Uh, the feedback's been really good, actually. I've gotten a lot of really great compliments. I think people just like to see someone who can be so upfront, and it's refreshing to be able to talk about things and just say, I'm not going to be politically correct. This is what I am. This is what's going on. This is the reality. And I'm not going to pull any punches or beat around the bush. Is your stand-up comedy something that uh, at this point is a, is a hobby, or is it uh, something you want to do after you graduate and be on the road as a, as a professional stand-up comic? Well, it's a hobby right now, but I have definitely thought about taking it professional. That would be the ideal situation. So what is your major, your status right now on campus at Southern California? I'm a sophomore business major. I decided on that major because I would really like to own my own business one day. And I figure that'll serve me well because no matter what I decide to do, whether it's comedy, whether it's something else, there's always a business side. You need to know how to run a business, how to make money, how to stay profitable. Chris Conley is our guest, a student at the University of Southern California, uh, a comedian, um, Cerebral palsy is the uh, affliction born with that you're dealing with uh, admirably and very inspirationally. Do you uh, have a, a way for our listeners to see what you're up to, Facebook, website, anything like that? Sure, you can Facebook me, Chris Connolly, or you can look me up on Twitter. It's at Connolly Comedy. At Connolly Comedy, and it's C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y, at Connolly Comedy uh, on Twitter. Fantastic. Well, we wish you the best of luck. It was a, an honor meeting you. Uh, leave us with uh, your best uh, joke or bit. What works the best when you're on stage at a comedy club? What gets the crowd going the most? Well, you know, having cerebral palsy, my hands shake, but it does have some advantages. Scratch-off tickets are easy, and I never have to buy an electric toothbrush. <laughs> the Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. Adam Ritz, privileged now to be with Michael Young. Michael Young is one of the biggest voices in the world of racing. Hi, Michael. How are you doing, Adam? 
I'm doing great. Exactly what do you do for the uh, Indy 500 radio network? Well, I am the actual uh, pit reporter. This is my second year working for the IMS radio network. I had started and did a couple of races for them in years past, but last year was my first full year on the radio network. Uh, This will be my second Indianapolis 500, and my role with the radio network is I'm a pit reporter, uh, not only for the Indianapolis 500, but the Eyes on IndyCar series runs in Texas, Milwaukee, Sonoma, California, Baltimore, St. Petersburg. It is is not not only all over the United States, but we also race in China and Brazil. And the racing radio network, uh, I'm not familiar with this, Um, I guess the Armed Forces radio network, is this part, isn't this like a, isn't all this racing just a huge deal for all of our men and women fighting uh, for our country and our, for our freedom across the seas worldwide they listen to the armed forces radio network isn't auto racing a big part of that oh it is and and that's the thing where our broadcasts go up on Sirius and XM satellite radio uh, actually had an opportunity recently to work with J.R. Hildebrand Panther Racing and the National Guard which sponsored J.R. Hildebrand and we did a live uplink with some troops uh, that actually were were stationed in Afghanistan. So we did a live video uplink with uh, some of the major generals here in, in the United States, and a couple of senators were there. So we did this uplink with some of the soldiers' families, some of the families who had lost family members uh, mm-hmm. while they, they were fighting over in Afghanistan. So these soldiers had an opportunity to talk to us and to talk to J.R. Hildebrand, who represents them driving the National Guard car, but that's what they'll do on Memorial Day, on on the Sunday, the day before Memorial Day, they will listen to the Indianapolis 500, and they'll listen, you know, throughout the season. But that's the big one for them. You know, Memorial Day, we're thinking mm-hmm. about all of our fighting men and women. And to know that they have a, a stake in the game because one of their their sponsorship is actually a car <laughs> driven by a guy who actually was the runner-up last year. I mean, it's quite a thrill. But, yeah, it's it's, it's amazing to see how racing affects those in the armed forces and, and and how huge it has become but but that is their connection to home they're in you know on many of these soldiers that I spoke with uh, in via this video link you know what they miss is green they're they're in the desert i mean they don't see a lot of what reminds them of home and they say to listen to the Indy 500 on the radio network or to any race just gives them that feeling of oh my gosh we're home and and it really kind of takes that distance and minimizes it for them track dude michael young is our guest i know him as uh, track dude and i follow you on twitter it's track at track dude 500 at track dude 500 for his tweets uh michael young is our guest he's a pit reporter for the um Indy Racing League, IMS Radio Network, and you were telling me, uh, I heard an amazing story about your connection with Dan Weldon. Dan Weldon, uh, well, you can give us the backstory on this, the tragic uh, crash that claimed his life, I think in Las Vegas, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. One of those odd situations, and the neat thing that now reliving the Indianapolis 500 this year, he was the winner in 2011, and last race of the year was the World Championships in Las Vegas, and Randy Bernard said, well, let's put a $5 million purse up, and if you win the race, well, you'll be able to split the money with somebody. They went into the weekend, and it was just one of those odd things where nothing ever seemed right. I actually had lunch with Dan the uh, day before the race, and he was just in great spirits, and he really was so thankful to have this opportunity 
to race and to you know be part of the Eyes on IndyCar series again. I saw him, yeah, you know, not only having lunch with him, but I saw him that morning, and it just seemed like something special was going on. The night before, he had a tattoo of his wife Susie's initials put on his wrist, and she had his initials put on her wrist, and it was just a kind of a cool thing. I spent a lot of time with Dan that weekend. I saw him that morning, and I was getting ready to uh, do driver introductions for the for the Firestone Indy Lights race, and he kind of, in his Dan way, kind of runs into you with that shoulder kind of dive in just to say hi, and and I said, how you doing, driver? He goes, what's up, bro? And I said, nothing. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, well, win me a million dollars. I said, well, that's awesome, but just remember your old friend, track dude when you win it because i'll just need ten thousand i don't need like hundred thousand or whatever i just give me a little bit of money and i'll be happy and he goes i'll remember you mate and he went kind of in a dan fashion just proudly walking down the front straightaway of the speedway and went about his day he did a shakedown and as soon as the race started it was kind of a whirlwind for me it was doing driver introductions and had to get my fire suit on to do the radio network and then the accident had happened and immediately went out to the infield care center and as the thing started to unfold we found out that uh, uh, Dan had lost his life and it was just a really surreal moment because he had so much positive energy and, and, and so much just it was great to just see him around the track again and it was funny when he kind of did his shoulder bump into me and and I had said hi to him before he he went out to do that that final practice. Uh, I'd found out after everything was said and done that he had just signed to drive the GoDaddy car, replacing Danny Kapatrick for 2012. So he had come full circle, won the Indy 500, did all this development with the new chassis and the new car to make this new chassis safer, and then that morning signed with Andretti Autosport to drive that car that was being vacated by Danny Kapatrick. He knew that going into the day, and about an hour and a half later, lost his life. And immediately after the news had spread, Delara had named the chassis after him, now called the DW12. But how ironic that a guy who was pretty much tossed out of the racing community not only won the Indianapolis 500, but developed this new chassis to improve the safety for everybody in racing which inevitably he lost his life doing in, in racing. And it, it just was so ironic and so so amazing that, that this guy did so very, very much for, for the Eyes on IndyCar series. To, to, to lose him like that was, uh, you can never replace a guy like him, but it was almost like one of those stories where you, you start reading it and there's no other way that story could finish, not to sound morbid, but it's just... It was. Yeah. It's like that story could never change. It, yeah. It's like it was almost destined to happen that way. Track dude Michael Young is our guest. He's uh, one of the voices on the uh, IndyCar radio network worldwide. Now I've seen you uh, interview Richard Petty on mm -hmm. television, and I imagine you, you, there's a whole lot of cele the celebrity list is long when you're talking about the, the big money behind big racing. Uh, what are some of your favorite, I guess, celebrities or notable people that you've run into uh, in and around a, a racetrack? I've had opportunities, uh, another great one at uh, the Baltimore Grand Prix. We're finishing up the event, and I also do other things behind the scenes with the award ceremonies and the podium celebration, and we're getting ready to hand out the trophies. And we've got uh, um, a couple of uh, Olympic stars, and uh, it was 
was like, oh, I don't really know who these are because I, I hadn't seen the list yet. So they said, there's so-and-so, there's Michael, and the other presenter will be here in a second. I said, I looked at the guy, I said, okay, Michael, uh, do you know what you're doing? Have any, has anybody talked to you what's going on yet? He goes, yeah, I think what's going on. I said, now when I say your name, come up, you know, hand the driver the trophy, and then stay there for photo ops, and, and that's it. And I said, I looked it down, and I said, are you Michael Phelps? And he goes, yeah, I'm Michael Phelps. <laughs> I said, oh, it's a pleasure to be. I had no, he had sunglasses on, so I really, I didn't recognize him. So I'm sitting here kind of one-on-one with Michael Phelps. I had no idea who he was. And, and you're riding him. You're like, like, do you know what you're you supposed know, to do? Because I'm tired. I'm sweating because I just got out of a fire suit. I'm like, nobody's helping me out. I said, do you know what's going on here? And he goes, yeah, I think I got it. And it's Michael Phelps. Well, I if he was in a bikini, you would have recognized him. I probably would have recognized him. I get that starstruck sitting next to you, oh, Michael Young. Oh, well, that can't be true. Uh, so we encourage you to follow Michael Young on his uh, Twitter with at TrackDude500. And we wish you the best of luck with your announcing and uh, your radio network with the uh, racing. And um, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Yeah, we invite folks to tune in. Again, we're on Sirius uh, NXM Satellite Radio, and you can check us out anywhere. Uh, just go to your local affiliate, and whenever we're racing on the race weekend, would uh, uh, love you to have us uh, or check us out. And uh, if you ever get to a track, I'm sure you'll be able to holler at me. I'd be more than happy to say hello because it's always a lot of fun to meet the fans as well. It's the Charity Roundup Minute, and we are at Canisius College with Mike Jowdy. Hi, Mike. Hi, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic, Mike. You are the, uh, what are you, the president? You're the, you're the Grand grand Poobah, right? Yes, the Grand Poobah. The president of? Sigma Phi Epsilon New York Lambda, Canisius College, Buffalo, New York. And we're here to talk about uh, money and foundations and charity. Uh, tell us about your, your most recent charity. Uh, last year, actually, we were raising money for American Cancer Society. They do a big relay at school where all the clubs and organizations are supposed to raise money. We actually raised the most money with topping off about $2,250. All right. And for more uh, information on Canisius College, it's canisius.edu, correct? Yes, sir. Mike, I appreciate your time. This has been the Charity Roundup at Canisius College. Thanks, Adam. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. 